Right, we are live. We're live. So, hey, everyone, and welcome to the Nerdy Up North podcast, the Nerdy Podcast, hosted by Northern Nerds. I am one of your hosts, Sam. And I'm a very warm uh, red host, Paul. And uh, <laughs> we are joined this evening uh, for a special episode by uh, Team Pods Has Grant. And with it being, uh, like I say, Sammy's big birthday yet tomorrow. Not big birthday. It's oh, not, big, not, not quite. Not, not there quite. yet. <laughs> getting close, though. She's getting there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so she's like I say she won the vote uh for this about a month ago that we, yeah. we have been trying to arrange to review the exorcist but plans always kept on falling through so we are getting to talk about sammy's favorite movie now and um we see someone's in the chat and it's kelly so it's not goodwill <gasps> for once so it's kelly. i lose <laughs> so yes we've got the lovely kelly to join us this evening and uh yes so we're going to have talking about spooky scary times so it should be very interesting shall we yep. say spooky scary times at six o'clock on a tuesday afternoon while it's absolutely blazing hot outside <laughs> perfect summer talk <laughs> Um, I'll get the disclaimer out of the way so we can crack on because I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to Grant about this. <laughs> so everything discussed in tonight's episode is our opinions and our opinions alone. If you want to discuss any topic from tonight's episode, please come and join us in the Facebook group and we can have an open discussion. What we won't have is anyone coming for us and telling us our opinions are wrong. We can agree to disagree in fandoms. So let's keep it fun, keep it kind and keep the toxic behaviour out of nerdism. Very much so. And I think it's quite an important message, especially like say with everything that's going on at the moment. And like uh, there's a lot of toxicity and nastiness out there, especially like say if you're in the UK, shall we say? <laughs> so let's yes. keep it like the fun element to this. But yes, um I know this is one of Sam's favourite films. I know Grant loves this film, and I'm gonna be a bit of a bystander because I've watched this film many a times and I still don't hate it, but it's I don't love the movie. I think I'm going to use a term that's going to get probably gasped. I think it is very overrated. Oh. Uh, but we will have a discussion why I feel that. But I know we don't talk about hate and dislike and all the nasty stuff. So I'll, I'll give the points that I do like about the movie when we're talking about it. But I'll throw it away to the two big fanboys for this movie to start yeah. with. Yeah. Where do you even start with this film? Um, probably when was the first time you watched it? Because I think that's like a great starting point of where you are in your horror. <laughs> so when did you first watch it, Grant? Um, the first time I watched The Exorcist, I was probably about 13, maybe 14, definitely early teens. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, The Exorcist was still banned on VHS in the UK. So you couldn't get it, you couldn't rent it long before the days of digital TV. Um, so with one of our friends, dads, uncles, whatever, um, <laughs> had a pirate copy of it. So we got a hold of said pirate copy and like a lot of us that were at school together sat down and wanted to watch this, you know, this infamous horror film that was, you know, banned and had this, that and the other in it. And I'd read the book at this point as well. So I knew what was coming and it was like, I need to see all of this. This is fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was exactly the same, but I think I might have been a bit older, not because I didn't want to watch it or I was too scared to watch it. Horror doesn't phase as I'm not put off. The only thing that puts us off is gore, but I'm really not put off by horror. I just think it was really hard to come by. And I think I might have gotten it in my early 20s when Music Zone, you remember the cardboard 
cardboard covers. Yeah. It's Prince of Thieves. Like yeah, and it, they kind of folded out and then card like it was cardboard mm-hmm. opening, but it had an A and a B side. Mm-hmm. I still don't know what's on the B side. <laughs> was it not the uh, director's cut? Was it because there was a version without the spider walk and a version with the spider walk? Wasn't there when it first got released? Yeah, I believe so. I just I don't think I ever flipped it over to find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine was probably the same as Grant's a little bit because, as you said, this was a vi- like one of the big video nasties when uh like say of our teens there was movies like this texas chainsaw mask uh, uh, driller killer um that basically you heard about but mm-hmm. you never could see and they were always discussed especially like say just coming from um like say the 80s into the early 90s when censorship was such like a big topic and rife mm-hmm. and uh when they start releasing movies um i think clockwork orange was one of the first ones that they released that that was banned for like i don't think it ever got like a, a video or a, come out the cinema but didn't get like a home home release no i don't think it did and when, when that one came out it kind of like opened the floodgates mm-hmm. um and then the Exorcist brought out texas chainsaw mask and and stuff i guess so when we were at school and we talked about these type of films that anticipation and that expectation kind of built up and you thought this is going to be the most horrific movie we've ever seen and this is going to scare us to like levels and when they bought the dvd out because i was like say even then i was always about collecting and keeping like say getting the dvds and stuff so i persuaded my parents and rightly or wrongly they did buy us it when i was very young and i was so excited um got home that evening didn't watch it during the daytime i was like right i'm gonna watch it at the night time watched it and i was like waiting for it to get scary oh no waiting for it to get scary then i was like oh that that looks pretty i probably didn't appreciate the cinematography as much back mm. then and i did like try and watch it a day because I, I was joking sending messages you know? I'm, i am trying to like this movie um Oh, that's what it was. I couldn't. <laughs> make, I couldn't make it out. I was outside. <laughs> but um, like say visually, like say especially for when it was shot, like the time, the cinematography, like the angles, and like say the camera work was like very ahead of its time, especially for a horror movie. Yeah. And, but again, it, it like again, not to, like throw too much hit. It's a very choppy movie. It kind of jumps from bit to bit, like with stages without really telling you too much what's going on and yeah no no transitionals mm-hmm. yeah that that was always like it probably did jar us a little bit then but again it just kind of i couldn't get the flow of the movie mm-hmm. and then like say when it kicks off and gets interesting and in the last 15 20 minutes it's over before it even gets started so that that was always been my element i think there's big shock values don't get us wrong there mm-hmm. is elements that you think oh shit that's really really rah, like shocking scary i wouldn't sit use the word but i think the whole genre of the possession movies does struggle because mm-hmm. there's not many great like possession movies or exorcism movies like say they always fall away they either go too extreme or they don't keep it like the realism type there i know we're talking about like horror movies and realism but there's certain things there was one like the exorcism of emily rose that was great to a point and at the end and gets ridiculous uh and so and like i think it's a very hard genre to nails but the exorcist again and I'm, I'm, I'm no filmmaker i'm not the thing it's just my opinion it's probably the one that i think gets more right than wrong mm-hmm. but it's just 
the choppiness of the film just kind of like takes us takes us out of the enjoyment for it. But that's that's just my opinion. Sorry. <laughs> no, you don't have to apologize for your opinion. I get what you mean by possession films, even though Repossessed is one of the greatest possession films of all time. Um, but I do get what you mean. And do you know what? For a, a subject that this these actually these things actually happen. Mm-hmm. Like the, these exorcisms, whether it is real or not, have in actual fact taken place. So how you can get something that is all very real, sometimes very wrong, is mm-hmm. beyond me. But I guess it's because when you're doing when you're doing repossession films or possession mm-hmm. films, I should say, you are you are looking for the supernatural. Yeah. So they have to bring, and Emily Rose is a prime example of that because that is a girl with severe mental health problems. Mm-hmm. But then it goes into the supernatural element. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's where it loses you. Yeah. You can get on board with a girl who's got severe mental health issues, who is clearly thinking they are possessed. But then when you see the actual, the fact that she is, that's when it kind of loses you. I don't get that in this film, though. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think this film does get things right because it doesn't go ridiculous to the degrees. This, uh, but there, like as I said, where it, it hits hits home is like the the shock values. I don't mm-hmm. think for its time there was probably a more shocking movie with how the contents and things that did come out. I know we got the most gross and like I say torture porn later, but like I say having so, a young like young child shoving a crucifix in a crotch saying uh, fuck me fuck me while thrusting that two doctors is just like that scene, makes awful. Me, that <laughs> scene just makes my skin crawl and um, Kelly's like absolutely right it is the possession of a child that really gets you in this film because mm-hmm. if you watching any other possession film you're watching an adult go through it this is a little girl a very sweet and you get to see the normal side of Reagan before it all it all kicks off. So it is really shocking. And I think Linda Blair was a child actress as well. Mm-hmm. So a- I think mm-hmm. that, that that for audiences to see her do this is mm-hmm. is is shocking. But what makes this film probably more special for me, and probably the same reason why I love Psycho as much, is not so much the film itself. I love the film. I think it's absolutely, it's a masterpiece of work, but it's the work that goes behind it mm-hmm. that I love the most, how this film was actually made and constructed and the techniques the director used and, you know, the, the not not special effects, actual practical effects, the practicality of makeup, of movement. It was just, it's just so amazing that that happened at that time. Mm-hmm. Because we, it's now 2022, and we still we we would CGI the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Especially like say the head turn and say, but again, like say rather than jumping from bits to bits, yeah, I'd be interested to know what like say because I know Grant's been very patient, bless him. <laughs> he <laughs> always is. But what what was the elements that you love about like why does it draw like why do you uh, call yourself a fan of this movie if that makes sense? It's. I mean, it's really, really odd, like, what you have said over the course of that, because there's so much that kind of relates to, like, when Paul said that his first experience of The Exorcist didn't scare him, I was the same. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be that guy, except for maybe the next sort of five minutes. Because, <laughs> like I said, I've, I've read the novel of The Exorcist at a very young age before I'd seen the film. Mm-hmm. So I already had this obviously, you know, a, a young teenager's imagination of everything mm-hmm. that I was going to see. And 
given the fact that I am quite a creative guy, I've got a good imagination and all that kind of stuff. The stuff in the film didn't really weigh up to what I had expected to see having read it. So we did kind of, we almost laughed our way mm. through The Exorcist. Um, but mm. like what you mentioned about um, stuff like Emily Rose and some of the later exorcism movies being more inclined towards mental health and that kind of thing is a big bit that gets missed from where the novel of The Exorcist was in 1971 and when the film was made in 1973. Um, everything that Reagan goes through in the book has a logical explanation, um, even down to the levitation and that kind of stuff to keep relaying it back to both physical and mental disorders. And I think it's where a lot of the oh. modern Exorcist films have learned from what they did in The Exorcist that, yes, of course you've got shock value. You know, some mm -hmm. of those scenes are absolutely grotesque. Um, but they were aware of the fact that they needed to flesh out more backstory because mm -hmm. Exorcist's originally a novel. Looking at it from the book perspective, you could have done it in three hours and made mm -hmm. it more faithful. And what I was going to say there in relation to what Paul said with the choppiness, there's so much mist that they try to cram in there where really, really developed characters were pulled back from the leading roles that they had in the book, but not pulled back so far that they were inconsequential. They kept trying mm. to hint at these things that had happened in great depth in the novel that never happened in uh, the film. Um, Merrin's backstory is one. The, the friendship between Lieutenant Kinderman and Damien Karras is massive in the book. It, the book is called The Exorcist. It's not called The the Possessed Little Girl. Mm. And yeah. that's what the film is. The film is The Possessed Little Girl. Mm. The yeah. book was The Exorcist. It's the story of Damien Karras, not the story of Reagan. Mm. And oh. they don't quite give Karras the platform to mm. be what he was. And I think that's where the choppiness comes from. Is like, the, yeah. oh, we've got to shoehorn this scene in so that people remember that they're friends and we've got to shoehorn this scene in <coughs> to remember that Merrin did this and that and the other. And you're right, they don't get it quite right from mm. a filmmaking perspective. You're kind of a little bit tossed around with the story. <laughs> tossed. Um, <laughs> 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 I love that analogy, though, because like, mm. you do feel like you're getting thrown around. It's like... It did give us a bit of a headache earlier as well. It's like, oh, just chill, just chill out, just go for a narrative that thing. Because, like as you said, they went from um, there's something wrong with Reagan. Do tests, or these tests didn't come out. She does something weird. We'll do more invasive tests. Great. Then for the scientist to turn around saying, oh, she believes that she's possessed. So we we recommend that you go through an exorcism because we believe that the exorcism uh, with the believing so so fearfully that it'll have the opposite, that she'll believe that the exorcism worked. I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. would, would a real psychiatrist go down, like, say, because like, even in the 70s, science and religion were quite combative. They wouldn't, they don't play ball with each other as well. So for them, just to, like, come out with that, like, because, as I said, the, they kept on saying, oh, we've only seen 10 cases in the world. We've only seen five cases. They're, like, they're starting narrowing it down like, to the point where they said, we've never seen this case before. Like this, We're in a room with like 10 different psychologists and doctors and none of them mm -hmm. give an answer. And the only response is, have you ever thought about it going down to the exorcism route? I was like, 
that, to me that, that that seemed like a quite a big jump to to get on yeah, board with and, but and... I kind of I, I think I under, I think with that scene um I was we all know what how mm. what American medical history's been like when it comes mm. down to the things that they can't explain or the things that they want to push away. Um, oh, definitely. So, like, say, look, like, not to not to get real, like really. I know we're talking about the exorcism, but they've still got like places in America where the the, the thing that they can pray away the gate. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. That in a trying to try to an easier way, but. Yeah, that that mm-hmm. still goes on in America today. So yep, and um, we—I mean, for a, a short period of time in the '60s, probably even went into the '80s, just not commonly heard of. We did the same. Yeah, we did exactly the same, but we used some of the most, but like awful means of doing it. So it doesn't shock me that a psychiatrist would make that suggestion, given mm-hmm. just what the what the medical profession was like at that time, um, yeah. and also in that scene. Real life serial killer treats her. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, guy, the doctor who is putting that in the on the examination table is a real life serial killer. Oh, that was Exorcist Three. Nope, it's the Exorcist One. Is it? Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was the third one. The head. You can prove me wrong, but I'm absolutely <laughs> sure it's the first. I know, no, I, I knew, I knew there was a serial killer because they mentioned in Mindhunter, like say the the, the Netflix serial, and they yeah. talked about like because he was. Like so getting away with it, but I didn't know it was the Exorcist one. Though. I'm sure it's the Exorcist one. I'm sure because I, mm. I think I watched. Oh my god, probably a million documentaries about this, and I'm sure the scene that they show is the one where she's being put on the table when she. Yeah. But you know what? It could be the Exorcist three because don't they do the same kind of tests? Uh, Isn't she in a hospital at some point? There's a, there's I've not seen the second, the third one. one. No, I was the third one. So the second one was the hectic or something. I don't know. There's been yeah, a few. The second one's the heretic. That's with Cat-tick. um. That's with her growing up. And then the third one is Legion, which is the yes. Uh, this is the last time I'm going to fucking mention it. But Legion is when she has the sky. The Exorcist yeah. two. Mm. It's the um, first. It's, Kelly's t- no, Kelly's no. saying it's the first one. <laughs> He's, he's, right. uh, <laughs> he's pure evil. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant someone else there. You know, no. The Exorcist Three is the is the direct sequel that William Peter Blatty wrote to mm-hmm. The Exorcist. So The Exorcist right. Two doesn't exist in novel form, but The Exorcist Three is. Oh my the god, I did not know that. Exorcist. So there's an actual mm-hmm. book. This book, yeah, it's a uh, Legion by William Peter Blatty. I'm trying to see what's on my. I've uh, literally in the last couple of weeks. Shelf, yeah. I've literally in the last couple of weeks just bought the Exorcist book, um, along with Psycho as well. So they're in my to read list after I finished American Gods. Uh, <laughs> not on my bookshelves, but trust me, it is the book is. No, I, I fully trust you, Grant, when it mm. comes down to reading material. <laughs> so, I wouldn't. Nineteen eighty nine's August copy of Razzle was amazing. <laughs> Was that the Donner issue? But <laughs> it was. It was, was she even born then? <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. So <laughs> we're all friends here. It's okay. But yeah, apparently I'm right. It's the guy who puts her on the scan. Mm. Is the is the serial is the real life serial uh, killer? No, um, I, 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 I knew it. Was it. On the um the the whole the conflict between religion and science. There, I've mm-hmm. always thought of that as being like kind of the the early understanding of what psychosomatic response is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of, you believe it so hard that you start to exhibit the symptoms. Um, that, it, you know, it's it's early understanding of mental health because like 1971, mm-hmm. we still had asylums. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just in case, oh, you know, that woman's having hysterical orgasms. Give her some cocaine and lock her up. Um, it's but true. maybe not that bad. That no, it, no, it's true. Uh, no, no, we, yeah. no, it's true. If we've got anything, if Girl Interrupted taught me anything is how fucked up asylums were for women back in the day. So totally. But if, if that was the case in my mindset, if it was like a scientific way of doing it, wouldn't they stage it? They wouldn't actually say go to a priest and get an exorcism arranged. Would it just be like, okay, we'll get a few people, like doctors, to dress up as uh, a priest and do like a pretend one before stepping? But, that would have been my logical. But then you don't get the great Max von Sauden walk in and do the whole power of Christ compels you. So you kind of miss out on all that if you just get mm. doctors to play a dress up. Isn't it just like the realism part of it as well? Like mm. the, the priest coming into the house, the fact that he's. He's talking in real terms that yeah. trying to trick the brain that mm. this is, but you know. To be fair, though, that's it, when the movie based actually... based on a real case. Yeah, mm. it is. based on a case from 1949. Mm. Um, German, German girl, wasn't she? Yeah, something like that. She was European. I think he just, he, again, probably taking the bits that kind of, oh, that's going to make for some good storytelling, but mm. now <laughs> we look at it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> To be fair, like, say, if, it, if it's American, it's got to probably have Ed Gein in there somewhere. There were so many references. Oh, yeah. That Ed Gein was I love that bloke, didn't I? <laughs> um, do you know the beginning bit? I always, this bit really confused the life out of me. When the fine Pazooza, mm-hmm. what reference does that have to Regan herself? Like the Pazooza Nothing. devil, I don't get what the significance is of finding that. I, I don't um, think I've found one. I might be in the book, but. Yeah. When the movie, sorry, sorry, mate, you go, you go. No, I was just going to say because in the movie, I think it was just like a way of getting like an introduction to, like I said, Max von Sounds character, and like say he was in doing a dig and find like a demonic like entity. Yeah, I I don't think it was ever hinted that it was Pazuzu in in the in the movie because the movie was the reference how Megan got possessed was that she played the Ouija board, and then Captain Howdy was involved. So I don't know. I don't know if that was like the element, but to me, it was just a a vehicle to introduce you to the priest. Right. I just never, ever understood the beginning of that. And because I'd seen Brain Dead beforehand, it always reminded us of the opening of Brain Dead with the monkeys. So I'm like, uh, is that in reference to that? Like, I don't understand. But the monkeys had an explanation. It's what brought the disease. But I never really understood the, the reasoning behind seeing him get Pazooza because if my memory serves as right, you don't see it again. No, but I'm interested because like, I've never read the book, I'll be honest, but if Grant's got any insight into that, because I know I cut him off there, sorry. No, it's okay, mate, but it, it goes back again to what you said about the, the choppiness and the bits that they decided to bring forward. There is a lot of backstory in relation to Father Merrin, Mike mm-hmm. uh, von Snydo's character, and have we seen the 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 prequels to the exorcist you know there's two of them and they've both got dominion um, and then the beginning or something like that was called yeah, yeah. it's like they didn't oh like my the god i don't feel like i'm a fan at all <laughs> um, i don't even know they existed they are an expansion of merrin's backstory that gets established in the book um again it, the book's not called the possessed little girl Mm-hmm. Um, Merrin had performed an exorcism on a child in Africa, mm-hmm. which is why he is brought in to do this exorcism, is because he's one of the few living members of the church that has experience 
mm-hmm. in actually performing an exorcism. So with the Dominion in the beginning and whatever it is, they tried to mm-hmm. expand out Merrin's backstory almost to try and make the exorcist make more sense because in the book they elaborate quite a bit on Merrin having exercised this kid in Africa in the, I think it's the 40s. You know, the it's very much the demon is pursuing the priest. Mm. It's, not right. that it's not that it's just possessing that... Reagan for the sake of it. That demon is there to haunt Merrin. Yeah. Get that impression towards the end of the film um, when he's, because it, it's almost like it's becoming a personal thing. But yeah. they don't really allow, and if they did elaborate on it, wow! I feel like I'm shitting over all of my favorite film, and I don't mean to. <laughs> oh no, no, it's, 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 it's interesting to have this type of conversation and, and like, like not pick it apart, but see the different elements or where, where, yeah. like, where things. But there is a throwaway line um, when the two priests are discussing who they're going to get, and they mention Mirren, and they go, they go, "Oh, is he in Iraq?" And he says, "No, he got back a few, a few, uh, like a few weeks or a few months ago, just as Reagan got possessed." So yeah. that that's kind of like you have to really reach and go mm-hmm. uh, out there to like to get the connection. But I didn't get that when I was younger. But I got it today, just because mm-hmm. they were sitting in the office having that conversation and going, "Oh, um, who we're going to get to do it?" And went, "Oh, Merrin's back." Went, Isn't he in? So in essence, if he's come back to the United States and with Reagan doing to Luigi Ward. To be fair, I'm reaching to try and get a connection. Here. Yeah, <laughs> so, because like if you, if Grant hadn't have mentioned it, and if no, if you hadn't have read the book, are, are you going to make that two and two connection that he's back, and then this possession happens around the same time? But the, there is a, a bit towards the like it is a personal attack, but I always see it more on Damien's side than on Merrin's side. Damien, why are you sad? Um. But yeah, I always see it on his side more than Merrin's side. And if that, that doesn't sound like I really need to read the book. No, that's interesting because because the way I, the reason I think that he attacked him more is because his faith was shaken. That's why he latched yeah. onto them and went, right, that's true. I'm going to attack him. He's the one that's got the, like say, um, he's the younger priest. He's the one that potentially could like take the ex because I don't think like say Pazugo, Reagan, Captain Howdy, whoever, like say Jim Bob and like his his mate Bob Bobby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was possessing Reagan at the time, uh, was w- worried about Merrin because like say when they were left alone, we didn't see it, but yeah, like, say, he passed away. But I think when he's when like say Father Damon and realised that his face was shaken, that's why he kept on attacking and latching on and using elements like say to do that that was always the interesting thing that's when the film got really interesting i could yeah. have watched a lot more of the film from just the two of them in that room yeah like not just battling but having conversations and like say like father Merrin and Dim even getting that connection because honestly when they were together it was it's quite magic. powerful it was yeah. quite quite interesting that was it's... the thing but no sorry go on and it was kind of like taken away a little bit too early for me no, I I would like to have seen more of that room experience because it's almost like the demon knows. It's yes, he'll obviously know them, but it's like they know him as well, or even Merrin knows him. Mm-hmm. No, and it's like it's like three mates just in a room together having a, an argument over after having a few drinks. <laughs> Apart from one of them spews green shit all over the place, right. but it is such a good, like powerful, powerful mm-hmm. moment that bit. Um, the 
the beginning part, and in all honesty, with their mom and everything, annoys the shit out of us. Mm-hmm. I hate a mom's reactions to half the stuff. A screaming does me head in. However, when you realise why she's screaming, then it makes more sense because that woman was in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. When she got flung from one side of the room to the other and the wardrobe hit her, it, mm-hmm. it almost broke her back. Yeah. And she okay. still continued on. So it kind of, kind of makes sense as to why I think Grant's having some dog issues. He looks so angry. <laughs> Don't look yeah, angry, right. Grant. She's only having a little wander around, but I know That's that I can't talk and picks up on my mic. So no, don't worry. Oh, I'm, I'm, worry. I'm, I'm just laughing because Pazuzu's in the top left corner staring at Grant quite scarily. So if you look on the actual screen. <laughs> but then <laughs> Grant's looking proper ticked off. <laughs> like the possession is in, in, in like this is ongoing. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see. A lot of sucks cocks in hell, Paul. <laughs> I generally don't think that the the version I first saw had that line in. I think I watched a very cut down version of the. I think my first viewing was really watered down. So um, I didn't revisit it for a really long time until about a, oh, about ten years ago, and I I watch it. I'm not lying. I watch it every Halloween. Mm. Every Halloween, I watch it without fail. Even when I got married on Halloween, I watched it at midnight the night before. So as soon as it hit the thirty first, I put it on because I wasn't. I ha- it's like part of me, me Halloween routine. <laughs> it is an interesting character. I, I think <clears throat> the movie's not got very many likable characters. I think it's easy to see it. Like. Like all of them has the flaws, and all of them has like say the things that you do like about. Who is your favorite character in this? Um, I think it's always an interesting one to look at. If I can go first, uh, Marin. Mm-hmm. I just I think there is a lot more to him that I'm excited to explore now. After Grant's talked about the book, um, he all he always Max von Sarden is just a favorite of mine anyway. And I'm really mm-hmm. sorry if I'm not pronouncing his name his surname right. Um, but he's always been a favourite of mine. I generally thought that man was that old when I first saw him. <laughs> and then when I saw him in Star Wars, Force Awakens, I'm like, hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's some really good makeup. <laughs> but yeah, I've just, I'm a huge, huge fan of him. So I, was, I, I gravitated to his character. But I was interested in his character as well. Mm-hmm. He was probably the more interesting out of a lot of them because, like I said, the beginning bit with him finding Pazuza <clears throat> confuses the shade out of us. So I wanted to know more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the fact that he's, he was experienced, yet we can only know that by the way he acted. I don't think it's even mentioned that he's done other exorcisms. Mm-hmm. If he did, I've, I've, I've missed it and I'm sorry. Um, I just, he's just an interesting, interesting person. Cool. What about you, Grant? Um, my favourite is Damien Karras. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very much what you were saying about uh, like shaking faith and it makes him vulnerable. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. We're not. Like making Don't. him vulnerable and all the rest of it. Um, I think it was portrayed quite well in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I love I love that vulnerability mm-hmm. that he has. Um, you're talking about seeing a really heavy, heavily edited down version of it and mm-hmm. the, the stairwell scene with mm-hmm. him and uh, Marin where they, they take a break from the exorcism and they go and sit on the, the stairs. If I remember right, he wasn't included in the original cinematic release. It was something that was added a, that's a later date. Um, much the same as the um, 
the the spider walk scene mm-hmm. and what have you in that bit where Marin basically kind of goes essentially you can't be in there unless you start believing in gods now suck it up put it up and pray um, <laughs> obviously it's far more beautifully set than that but that is the essence of the scene mm-hmm. um and the, there's a change in Karis at that point and uh, you know he becomes not strong but determined mm-hmm. um i really i like him as a character i love this character in the thing i'm not going to mention anymore but i really <laughs> like the way that he was portrayed in the movie as mm-hmm. well, I thought they, I can't remember the actor's name, but they hit the nail on the head with him. They really did. Oh, brilliant. Cool. Um, mine's a little bit off field, the police inspector. I thought he was just entertaining whenever he was on, and some of his lines were some of the best lines in the movie. Like asking about like what you uh, like, uh, like, his wife doesn't like going to see movies. Do you want to come and see movies with him? And the priest had decent banter with him as well. Um, and just how he like, like say wanted a photograph from the, like say the from Reagan's mother because uh, she was like say portraying a famous uh, superstar and uh, how he pretended that was for his daughter and and stuff like that. just that playfulness I think it added a little bit of light to the movie which was like say is like tonally very very dark and very like say so like adding that little element yeah. um and like say I'll I'll say I'll I was happy that the director got killed as well when he was being an arsehole calling the little butler all the Nazi jokes and stuff like that. I was like, oh. I was cheering a little yeah. bit when he got flung out the window. I think he did <laughs> actually die not long after that film came out as well. Oh, well. And he was like, you know how they always have this, oh, it's a cursed movie. Yes. And I think his death, because it was pretty quickly after the film's release, he died in real life. And like, oh my God, it's cursed. No, he probably was just old and he might have been poorly, not cursed. That's interesting what we can talk about about the movie as well, because <clears throat> in any list that it does come down, like there's when people say, oh, movie sets were cursed. I know they talk about the big ones like Superman, um, the movie. Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah, Superman, like say, <clears throat> everything bad happened to everyone in the Superman movies. Oh, my God, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like, <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, the actress who played Lois Lane ended up in a mental asylum for a little bit as well. So, um, but I've yeah. seen the Family Guy episode. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, like I say, with this, it, it always mentions the curse because they were talking about like things like all the problems that they had on set and stuff like people die and accidents happen. Um, I know they did uh, on Shutter, like the cursed movies, a full like documentary about like say the exorcist out there as well. Yeah, should have had should have has cursed movies. They've just released cursed movies too. Um, mm. the second series of it. Uh, it's an it's an interesting one, but it's kind of boring a little bit because mm-hmm. um, you feel like you've heard this all before, mm-hmm. and there's nothing really new brought to it. Um, I don't remember apart from that guy dying. I don't remember anything cursed on it. I think more William Freak is a freaking. Am I saying that right? He's the director freaking. Yeah. Um, okay. I think he brought more on it than anything else in his directing approach. And how he treated people and how mm. he would, the temperature in the room, but in the mm. film in the final scene is like below, 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 below freezing. Then people were nearly on the borderline of hypothermia. Um, he would use guns in order mm. to get reactions out of people. I, that like That's more interesting to me than curses <laughs> like on that film set for some for some reason. Like the poltergeist one, yeah, that's like, that is dead interesting. Mm. But the exorcist, just doesn't, doesn't I, think 
but it's more towards the subject matter as well, what they were filming. I think it helped sell the movie as well. And mm. didn't it, like I say, mm-hmm. they come out with that whole marketing campaign, like yeah. say, which basically, uh, like say, the Blair Witch took like took notes on and ran with crazily. Um, I had reports that people were passing out in the cinema, and, and like people were like 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 bad things were happening to them. So the, the proper jumped on that bandwagon and uh, went with it to try and sell the movie. Mm. But uh, yeah, like I said, as I said, I can probably appreciate it a bit more now. I still don't, I wouldn't say that, like I said, it's a movie that I would go to watch, but visually it was, as, as I said earlier, it was very ahead of its time. Like mm. like the close-up shots of Reagan when she's like looking in her eyes and like to, using like practical effects to, like to, as you said, making the room cold so you can see a breath. Mm-hmm. Coming, coming on and um all them different elements kind of like makes it i can see why it got such a claim because was, wasn't it nominated for certain awards as well or was that because I, I don't know if it was i'm nominated. not sure um it might have maybe visual effects um mm. are you checking grand Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, just the the lady who did Reagan's voice as well. Sorry, I, I don't know if I'm saying it right, Reagan or Reagan. Uh, don't worry, stop stressing. <laughs> um, but you know when it's your favorite film and people will pull you apart for not being able to say things right. Who's um, going to pull you apart? Goodwill. Goodwill couldn't pull himself apart. <laughs> <laughs> Goodwill wouldn't. He loves me too much. There's one for his only fans. Hey, hey. but um, when. The, the the actress who did her voice, obviously the, the devil's voice, really committed to that role. She would drink raw eggs. She smoked a million cigarettes. She drank whiskey just to create that. And she still, to this day, has issues with her voice just for that film. That is sheer commitment. And she was a voice actress. She messed it all up for just that one role. Mm. But by God, does it friggin' work. <laughs> <laughs> definitely it's it's one of the movies that does like will live on for the set That's pieces that, the set pieces it just stands up like say with a lot of different things as grant said your mother sucks cocks and hells everyone does quote this movie as well it's probably one of the most quoted horror movies that that was probably made because you don't really do lines in halloween because there's not any like say big big no i mean big... there's the boogeyman one do you believe in the boogeyman but i love um what what is the spoof? Is it is it scary movie too, where he goes, Your mother dying done sucks in hell or something? <laughs> <laughs> I love the I love the parodies that come out of this film as well. <laughs> oh, it's, it is one of the more spoof movies out there. As we mentioned, Repossessed, which we'll probably talk about again in in the top five spoof yeah. movie episodes that we've got planned. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> but um there's a lot of good things. I I know when I was talking to Nick all about it as well, and this is going to probably spook you. She doesn't like this movie either. Nick uh, doesn't like this movie. No, she she's not a fan of The Exorcist. Um, I, I, probably it's the same reason why, like, say I am, because everyone for for like for our youth and even from now still says that like The Exorcist is one of the scariest or one of the better horror movies out there. I think set pieces. I agree up to certain degrees. There's certain bits where certain scenes that you watch that will be imprinted in your memory and mm-hmm. will you'll never forget the time when he grab when she grabs her mother's face and, and puts it like between her legs and says, <laughs> lick me, lick me and stuff like that. It's like for a like they didn't even use this like a stunt double or like a, nope. an extra. It was that was Linda it, Blair. And it's 
horrific that they actually did that. But yeah. you've got to applaud it in the same way that, like I say, well done for going that, that extra mile for realism type thing. Yeah. Everything that you see Linda Blair do on screen, she actually did. She was flung around on the bed. She was strapped to it for a very long time. <laughs> she said the words because obviously the actors need to hear the words in order to react to them and their voiceover is put on afterwards. She said the words. She mm. did not know what she was saying. Um, she did She worked, She did do a lot of hard work on that film. Mm. It's just such a shame that she fucking hates it now that she won't talk about it anymore. <laughs> Let's be honest, though. She's made a career out of it. Like, say, the bit parts and extras. Oh, she, she won't admit been... that, though. Yeah. That's all her. That's not because of the exorcist. That's all her. Linda Blair hates the exorcist she won't even sign anything that says that has any resemblance to the movie whatsoever she'll sign mm. it sweet dreams which is freddy krueger yeah she's yeah she's really even on she hands out a piece of paper to people who go to her signing and says please donate to me she does it all for charity which mm. is god bless her and um, she does it for um a dog charity but she has a list of all of her films to be fair, though, would, would you, uh, would you, if you had, like, say, that type of experience and like, had to think about, like, like, if you watch back and think, shit, I had to do that. That's not like it. I don't know because like, you don't see Jamie Lee Curtis act like that. To be fair, though, Jamie Lee Curtis has never got like a man's face, hand, face and rubbed in a crotch. So. True, that's true. <laughs> um, but Jamie Lee did audition for the role. Yeah, I, I'm glad in a way Jamie didn't go because, like I say, when we got Halloween trade in place and stuff, we might not have got them type of elements if she was Reagan in The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really happy with the cast of Reagan. She's she is. It's the it's the transition from lovely little girl to fucking hell. What's that on the bed? <laughs> <laughs> but that um the head that they used to do the the turn that was part of a doll. Mm. That that obviously put in that place to do mm. the head switch and then obviously change back to her as soon as it's the camera's back on her face. That doll was taken mm. around New York City mm. in a taxi and just left there and left to run around New York City and it would do the turn mm. on command. And they wanted to get true reactions out of people of what what this what this creature had done. My God, Dinah. Yeah, she's been pesting me feet, so... So she's now above. <laughs> Stop. Stop biting us. That bird. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that doll had a very impactful um, impact on the New York City people. Mm. I remember the story, yeah, uh, because, like, as you said, they just drove around in a like, taxi to see what people's reactions as the head just kept on spinning round and yeah. round and round. They did it with Slimer, too, you know. Yeah, because they had a re- they had a real life Slimer. What the, that Slimer for all it looks translucent. It was actually full size Slimer, and they put him in a taxi cab and shift him off around New York just to see how people reacted to him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've got a good segue there, guys, uh, to go back to what Paul said about the accolades because I looked them up. So a little bit of uh, accolade information about The Exorcist. Um, it was the first horror film ever to be nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture. I thought it was, Ooh. yes. No, I, I, it I, I, won two Oscars uh, for Best screen, Screenplay from an, Another Medium, for which the author, William Peter Blatty, got it. And in relation to that doll, the cripplingly underlooked bit, aside from obviously Mike Oldfield, is it got Best Sand. 
Right. So does that mean um, the lady who, who did the voice got any recognition for that? Are we looking more at... It's more to do with the sound effects and all that right. kind of stuff. You know, when she spins her head around 360, yeah. um, the person that went in to do the sound effects did some of the most bizarre stuff that you would ever know in order to get the sound effects. The sound effect for her head turning around and the vertebrae cracking was the guy pulling his wallet out from his back pocket, going right up to the microphone and twisting this old leather wallet so it went crack, 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 crack. And that's the sound that you get for the head turn. And he came in with all sorts of weird and wonderful props and devices and complete improvisations on the things that he had in order to be able to capture all of the sound effects that you Whoa. get in that movie. And like I say, it got the Oscar for best sound. Mm. Oh, that's awesome, that. <clears throat> sound does play a massive part in horror. You, they, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a prime example of that because yes. there's not a lot of guts and gore in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but what there is, is a lot of noise. A lot of screaming. It's like a, it's an assault on your ears type thing. That, it that very much is so, but I can, it's that hammer scene when he hits him with a hammer and you, you hear his feet shake and, oh, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Don't but, like uh, that. No, but um, <clears throat> I was going to say, now we're going back to the sound element, like one that, again, another thing I did actually love about the movie was when Karis is going back and listened back to the tape recordings of everything that Reagan's like all the voice mm-hmm. changing, all the different languages. And when he's saying like, that's not a language. And uh, the guy, like, I don't know what, if he's like, he's not a priest, but he was kind of like, just might be in a janitor or swing uh, in the school. And he says, it is, it's English. And he goes, what are you talking about? And that's no English. I know. And he goes, yeah, just play it backwards. And he plays it backwards and you can hear what, like hear what they're saying and stuff. It's like, uh, kill her. She's mine and stuff like that. It was just like them, little tricks and little influences because he was looking for Latin and, and so on. He was so looking for that. He was looking to be a clever little sod. Yeah. But that, that was always like the element because they've got to pass so many tests before they can do the exorcism and stuff like that. So, which you do find out a lot these days, like with uh, other movies like Amityville horror, um, what was it? Uh, like the conjuring and stuff like that. When they've seen, they've got to like get enough evidence to prove that an exorcist is warranted, mm-hmm. uh, which as as you said, it still practices and still goes on today mm-hmm. with a lot of the, like I say, these faiths. But um, like I said, the rules for this one was pretty simple. It was like must need must speak a language like Latin, like a dead language. Um, and I've gotten the other one now, but it was just like like physically manifestation. Yeah. Um, and then when he goes in the room, he tries to trick. He throws like the fake holy water on, and she reacts. It's like well in his head is it like putting it on is it going mm-hmm. too much but then she's like letting little hints out saying oh uh, your mother's with us and stuff like that and he's like did, did Reagan know about me mother and he's like no no like clever little bits like say very very intuitive little elements and like say laying the like 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 breadcrumbs type the way so you follow the journey mm-hmm. I just wish as as like as I've I don't want to keep going with that it wasn't like as chopped up but as you said if you if you were to do like as fearful as it possibly was like a three-hour movie which probably would be fine these days because yeah. people are not bothered about like screen time we'll and... sit and watch a four-hour film yeah but back net back then if anything was over 90 minutes or close to two hours that was like say above feature length and above like say what what they would just deem as acceptable to watch in the cinema mm-hmm. oh i totally totally agree we could I don't want to see a remake of it. 
No. Even though I believe something's happening with it. Uh, and I am slightly intrigued, but... I believe, oh. the, I believe the TV show was good. I've not watched it, but I had I, a lot of people did good things about it. I watched it. And I didn't watch the last episode because once you get to one of the pinnacle moments in it, you're like, no, okay. That, that, that I watched all this to get to there. And now I'm like, all right, then I'm not interested anymore. And turn, I turned it off. I haven't watched the second series. I believe there's a second series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. <laughs> but, it's okay. But it's with any horror movie, and like when they've got IP, they want to make money out of that IP, especially oh, with something as will. especially with something as legendary as as The Exorcist. So I, again, they'll keep on trying. You never know; they might do it right. I, I, I remember, I can say there was an Exorcist movie I watched, not The Exorcist, but like a film about exorcism on Shutter. I watched during lockdown. I can't like I've tried looking for the name of it and I can't, but it was basically about like live streaming and how the devil or like a demon took over the oh person that was God, meant yeah. to be live streaming. And it was done on with a shoe shoestring budget, but it was done really well and it was entertaining. It was mm-hmm. really entertaining to watch. But I, I can't remember I've seen the trailer for that. It's all it's all done through Zoom, isn't it? Like mm. it's it's almost like a Zoom effect, but it's people online. I've God damn it, I've seen, I have seen the trailer of it. <gasps> we could pull that off. We could definitely pull that off. Really fuck some people up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in for now. that. I'm <laughs> definitely yeah. in for that. Um, there was another, I think, I, I you know, I, I love this film and I love it just, I don't know, I like it, it's just an easy watch for me. It really is. I would I don't, never describe it. I can never say describe it as an easy watch. It's I do find easy. it as an easy watch, but I can't like. When was it? It was a couple of years ago. I was sitting watching it, and this time I didn't have my phone in my hand, or I wasn't, you know, distracted about. It. And I just sat and watched it, and fuck, the Pazuzu Devil kept popping up in places I'd never seen it before, and I screamed the house down. Anthony thought like I'd been hurt. I was like. No, no, the devil just showed up on the kooka. I've never seen that before. Like, I was losing my mind over, like, the fact that I'd never seen the devil in the fucking oven before. <laughs> no, that, that that was always the thing. Because, as you said, when it came out originally, it was cut to bits. There was loads mm. of stuff cut out. Like, yeah. now when you watch it, it's almost like trying to... Like, there's a drinking game in there. You can play a spot the Pazooza. Every time you yes. see it pops up in the little dark shadow. Like I say... I'm trying to do it now with, on this stream. So every time he pops up and next to Grant looks at him. <laughs> it's cool. I, when I've made Anthony watch it a few years ago and he genuinely belly laughed throughout all of it, especially right. when a, a mom slaps her. He could not <laughs> yeah. stop laughing at the fact that she slapped a child. He thought it was so funny. And he just, there was other elements in it as well. Like the dialogue in it, the, the phrases in it, he just found it hilarious. And I'm like, it's not meant to be funny, Anthony. It's meant to be brilliant. Um, mm. the, it's not really a heavy dialogue film. No, but I think the dialogue it uses, it, it's punchy. It, it It's memorable. It doesn't, like, as you said, it, it relies on, like I say, the big, uh, big moments mm-hmm. rather than the subtle this film does not have subtlety at all <laughs> that's that's uh, any element to it it's very much broad strokes uh even when she's getting like in the hospital it's like you see her reacting and the, 
like a bit out here again because I'm terrified of needles is they, they pull out needles every few seconds to try and inject her. The amount of times I'm nearly passed out in this movie as well. Not because oh, it's scary, just because just of fucking needles. <laughs> it's the it's the sounds in the hospital because I've got I've got like sensory issues and that it's the sound like even my phone can set my anxiety off and it's that that like beeps and blips and beats and the buzzes as well and it proper gets us on edge I do not like that don't like the hospital bit at all but when I'm really paying attention to this film is the end part Hmm. is when it's when they're all in the house and they don't leave the house and Hmm. maybe for a few years I've not paid close attention to what I'm actually watching because again like I said it's just such an easy watch for us I just I go through the motions because I've he loved this film so much. It's this, it's like how I am with Ghostbusters. Am I really paying that much attention to it because I've seen it so many times? Mm. Or am I just going through the motions to go from the finish to the end? And I do that with this as well. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I, I think, as I said, a lot of the like supporting cast don't get, like I say, kind of like the credit that the properties are due. Because mm. as... Like see, as I said, I don't like the movie. As, well, it's not that I don't like it. It's just I don't I don't appreciate it as as much as as others. The acting in it is brilliant. Like even like the small thing, the the young girl that was playing the babysitter, her yeah. little reactions and like when she's downstairs playing with the radio or trying to drown out the the screams and the noises, you can see this real like pain. Like the butler, like say the German butler, he actually cares and like say mm-hmm. you can tell there's he's almost like sheepishly or scared in the house, but he's like supportive. And like I say, Reagan's mother, I know I've done it just once, but I can't remember her name. She like say goes from like up her own ass. Yeah. Terrified, shrill, um, to desperation to the point as you would with your daughter going through She's this. She's very you... super mum towards the end, isn't she? But Determination. She never... But what I love as well, she never blames the daughter. No. Nah. Because a lot of people would say, oh, she's acting herself or things. She realises that there's something not right. That's yeah. not her daughter. And she never, like, says, this is Reagan. This is her fault. This is... Yeah. Um, like she say, knew a child, didn't she? She definitely. really does. It, you know, the actress who plays as, obviously, she's a very famous actress. I cannot remember her name. But you know what blew Alan my Bernstein. mind? Sorry? Alan Bernstein. That's it. What blew my mind is when I watch Red Dragon mm-hmm. and she's not in it. She can't physically see her, but she's the voice of Dollar Hyde's mom. And I was like, oh my God, that's her from the X. <laughs> I loved it. She has such a distinct voice, um, which is very annoying when she's like up a height. I'm not going to lie, like really annoying. But again, that actress, like, she worked her ass off in that film. She was put through the ringer. They all were, to be fair. They all. They all suffered for their art in that film, but by God, did he get what he wanted visually out of it. And I did not know it was up for an Oscar because I always remember the controversy over Silence of the Lambs being nominated for all these Oscars and they refused to call it a horror film. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I was like, was oh, is that... Ten Oscars. Silence of the Lambs won ten. No, no. Exorcist was nominated oh, for ten Oscars. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not know um, that. You're about the supporting actors there. Between that and the Golden Globes, Ellen Burstein was nominated for Best Actress, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Miller for Damien Carris and Max von Snydow for um, Merrin were both nominated and Linda Blair got nominations for 
uh, newcomer and support and actress as well. Yeah, I think the infamy, sorry to cut you off, but what you said about them not getting the credit, I think the infamy, infamy of the film has overruled what it was considered at the time. Like I said, 10 nominations for an, an Oscar is a huge amount. Yeah. At the time, it was phenomenally well-respected in the filmmaking community, but the brutality that we see is what has lasted, mm. as well as obviously some slightly hammy acting when we look back at, um, you know, 73 compared to now when we talk about, like, Ellen Bernstein's performance. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it mm. was glory to this movie. This is yeah. absolutely unreal. It wasn't just the sickness of it all. They looked at it and thought it was a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. And yeah. it is a fucking masterpiece. It is. Mark, <laughs> Mark Kermord will fight anybody in an argument when it comes down to the exorcist and i mean he's he's knows the insides and outs from start to finish and he can argue any point with anyone about how brilliant this film is he classes it as a modern day masterpiece and to him it is perfection and i wish i had the time to sit and listen to him talk about it i've watched one of his documentaries but with it it was just it was so dated i was distracted by my phone (laughs) <laughs> so I wasn't really paying attention, um, but he's he has he's done documentaries on it. He's mm-hmm. you can catch him on any podcast or radio show. Anything that talks about the Exorcist, Mark Kermode will be there, and will and it was Michaela who actually got us to appreciate the Exorcist more because of him. Like I was listening to him and like, oh my god, yeah, this really is a fucking great film. Like <laughs> I've got to watch it more. <laughs> uh, but like I said, there is always going to be, like I said, the things that do stand out the most for it. Like one, like we had the music on at the start before we came on the tube of the bells. Like as soon as you hear that that noise, it's reference to the exorcist. Yeah. And it's a beautiful bit of music as well. Uh, but like I say, the standout, like say visually, that scene when the taxi pulls up. Mm. And like you see the street lights on him and he comes through and he answers the door and you just see his shadow. Oh, my back. <laughs> and then... No, I don't have any trousers on. So <laughs> even better Let's for not. <laughs> <laughs> But it is on my back. Yeah. If anyone was if, oh God, even if people are listening, they had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but yes, um, as Goodwell's pointed out, I haven't mentioned it yet. So, the, the, the Exorcist is what the Goonies was. <laughs> I'll get a reference in. Commod so. to the Exorcist uh, is Paul to the Goonies. Oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> to be fair, though, the Goonies, like, say, if, if you were going to make a horror movie, the Goonies could be the Exorcist. You could have, <laughs> could possess you all the children. You can't. You can't. You can't. I can't get can't, this on You can't there. put that reference in with the Exorcist. I'm going to choke. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I can't believe you tried to get the Goonies in there. <laughs> Definitely. Well done. Well done there, Goodwill. <laughs> Thanks, Goodwill. It always got me back there. So <laughs> the um the if you if you're anyone lives in America and has actually been to the film locations, you can stand outside of the house, you can walk up the stairs, which apparently is awful. <laughs> I had um a group of people who are following America went recently and they said it was an absolute marathon trying to get up them stairs. <laughs> they said it was awful because they are so many of them. Um, but the visuals in this film are spectacular. The colours, 
that mm-hmm. they use as well, especially on Reagan's face, mm-hmm. are amazing. I think that's down to the like as I said with the cinematography, they use very muted colours throughout. And yeah. like I say that when you do get the splashes of colours and like I say they do have more of the impact. Like I've never seen sick like it, like great piece and another joke pea soup. But that was the most venomous and horrible bile I've ever seen, like to date in any movie. Uh I've never seen spew quite like it. <laughs> I don't wanna see it either. No, it's but it the green's my favorite color and <laughs> kind of like it <laughs> so we know what the, sam's having tomorrow for a tea there <laughs> pizza <Like bad> tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh god is there anything else you want to discuss because this film's not really a long one and unless you're going to go into like the second and third one which you could but i have not seen it because um. i'm not that big of a See, I know. We talked about the visuals, so what's yeah. your favourite scene? Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> have, you, have you stumped her here? <laughs> probably when the exorcisms start, when when Merrin is, you know, screaming at the top of his lungs, the power of Christ compels you, leading up to Merrin's death, leading up to Karis's death, like that bit, that part right there is you can't take your eyes off it. Like, I could sit through and be distracted on my phone right up until that part, and then I'm in it, because it is, like Paul said, it is a really powerful part, and so that bit is probably my favourite favorite bit of it. I wouldn't say... It's a hard one to say a favourite scene, because most of the scenes that's there are designed and to make you feel as uncomfortable as possible. So to really get the enjoyment factor, but, like, say, if I... Like, say if, like enjoy part of it was probably at the start like the relationship between Reagan and her mother and when the play when she's playing with the, the Ouija board and like talking to Captain Howdy and like the kind of playfulness it's all oh, like say is my mum pretty and he's not responding it's good oh don't be rude to my it's like that like mother daughter type of relationship mm-hmm. it kind of cements how the, the journey that they're going to go on and that support that she's going to have and it was just nice to see like and it's such a like, as I said a violent and I'm going to use the word obscene because there was obscene elements Mm -hmm. that that had a bit of softness there so I quite like the softness Mm -hmm. with it How about you Grant? Uh, So when I said favourite I I, I would regard like a savage scene as still being a favourite from the point of impactfulness (laughs) so for you Paul what would you say is the most impactful scene on you what was the bit that made you kind of go you know wow your wow moment as opposed to your favourite moment so to speak Um, Probably not and the bit that, like, again, it might seem a little bit insignificant, but they went and she pissed herself um, and stood in front of everyone and just, like, saying, wow, they went there and used, like, such a graphic, instead of, like, using sound and and just, like, what you don't see, but actually showed her full-on pissing herself in front of a party of friends. Again, I know there was more vicious and violent scenes, but it's a horror movie. That's what you expect. You expect to see them elements. But to go there and see, like, say, someone so vulnerable and so, like, uh, not naked because she was wearing a thing, but having, like, say, all of her, like, because it's that uncomfortableness because her mum must be devastated. She would be devastated. It just set the tone of what was going to come. Yeah, it's that scene there is quite powerful because it's even when you're talking about the relationship between mother daughter, she still doesn't blame her. She yeah. still doesn't shout at her. She still doesn't raise her voice or like, what have you done? Um, she, It's more, 
my daughter's poorly, my daughter's sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it is vulnerability to like a class, like women don't do that. Like yeah. you men, you can stand up and pee for, you know, we don't do that. So it is a really odd thing. And it is, it's, it is a, it is a really powerful scene. I like, I like that one. I like that pick. There was one as well that I didn't mention that really like makes me skin kind of like, like the the hair stand up on edge is when it's really quiet and need that, that older boy phrase comes out of Regan. Can you help old older boy father? Yeah. It's kind of like a bit of a shock factor. That that really like kind of (gasps) gasps, makes me gasp. Mm Mm-hmm. I do like that bit because it's like it is a callback to something that Damien it's, it's like almost trying to make him believe mm-hmm. and I can't do the Irish accent enough to <laughs> pull it off so I'm sorry <laughs> what, what about you Grant? I just want to say mate I'm really glad that you said that scene because I think that scene is one of the most underrated and overlooked scenes in the entire film I think the way that it's framed up and the way that it, that it just kind of creeps up on you because mm-hmm. um, they film it as if something really like really graphic really dreadful is going to happen and don't get me wrong it is a dreadful thing but not dreadful compared to some of the imagery that you see in yeah. the film um my favorite bit um it, it comes a little bit more from the filmmaking element because obviously you know it, it was the 70s and a, this was before the days of cgi it's when well it's obviously not damien Karras, it's damien Karras's stunt double mm-hmm. falls down that flight of stairs that um, looks like because- it hurts as I understand it, they put about that much foam rubber on every single step. Oh my and gosh. then that boy, you look at the way that it's filmed, it's not mm. a case of crunch, cut, crunch, cut, no, crunch, no. cut. You see a big, long, kind of unbroken edit of him rolling down those stairs because that stuntman hit every one of those steps on the way mm. down and it is a big flight of stairs. Mm. And I like the fact that that scene goes on a bit too long mm-hmm. it's a, it is the kind of thing where they could have just gone crunch step crunch step no. and zoomed out and you'd seen that he'd fallen down all of these steps mm-hmm. but the fact that you actually see the tumble um mm-hmm. and you just it's kind of like oh he might be oh no, 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 no. no, 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 no <laughs> he's definitely dead now <laughs> no or is he <laughs> i don't oh, know but, is he well is at he? the end when he's like squeezing his hand and stuff like that it's uh yeah, yeah. Like I say he's moved. There's a little bit of life still left in him, but it. it I was... think Damien passed on. Did he? Did he pass on? I thought he did. <laughs> Depends which film or sequel you watched. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them. I've never been interested. I don't know why. I think I heard really crappy things about the second one, so I was like, "Well, why? Why bother?" But I have heard really good things about the third one. It's just me being a lazy bitch and not putting them on. It depends. Mm-hmm. I think if it Sorry, always if it always lives up to the original, it'll never quite hit the same standard type thing. But mm. you'd get that with everything. You always compare, like to the because after the the first Exodus, the shock factor's gone. Where do you go from, like to take it to the levels? Mm. So it's either you tone it down and make it more of a like a psychological and go deep, or mm. you you rank it up and. Go hard. You go all gore fest and but, shit like that. Or all, all heavenly, like having, like not just the devil, but God coming down to have his wrath because he's a vengeful bastard as well. <laughs> yes, he is. 
he mentioned a little bit about Linda Blair's attitude following the movies. And mm-hmm. yeah, Linda Blair hates The Exorcist, but not enough to not be the lead actress in The Exorcist too. Yeah. As an adult. <laughs> as so, an adult. Like, she did it as a, yeah. exactly. This is my Come point. On. No, you this know, is my yes, point. You know, ultimately you can look back on, you know, things that happened to you long, long before because Exorcist 2 was made in the 80s. And, you know, maybe now she looks back at the whole first Exorcist experience and goes, yeah, it was pretty shit. Because it was pretty shit. Friedkin was a bit of a twat. Um, But, you know, at the time, you know, she went on to do The Exorcist 2. It wasn't like she was immediately disturbed by it. And she's got a little bit of money out of the parodies from like exactly. Repossessed she also you. ripped like, the piss out of it. Were repossessed, yeah. so she clearly yeah. had no problem with it as an adult because she she was happy enough to do that. There's just something she there's just something about it now she does not like. <laughs> That's, it's it's one of them things. A lot of actors do get a bit salty if they are if they like say if they're already known from one little part. Um, like it's, it's a stereotype casting type of thing. I know a few Doctor Who actors, like when, like, say they were say, "Oh, what, you, what, what, what?" I can't remember the names of them, but was asked if, "Well, what, I recognise you from Doctor Who?" And they, they normally say, "Well, I've done Shakespeare, I've done theatre and stuff like that." Uh, why? I'm, I'm an actor. That, that, I think that's a lot of the probably that element does come. There's a lot of people that don't like to be referenced like Bruce Willis famously said I hate the diehard fans the most <laughs> oh yeah see this is why I love actors who were not afraid to to fan out with their fans over the characters that they've played they're not ashamed of them I find Johnny Depp does that quite a lot not ashamed of the characters that he plays so and I just I don't understand where it comes from with her when the reason these people are at these horror conventions to see her is the very film that she does not want to talk about. She gets money for her charity mm-hmm. through that film because she's going to horror conventions. People Don't get weird. it. People are weird. Like, say, Linda Blair, if, you're weird. <laughs> if we knew how people thought, we probably wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> That's very, very, very true. Well, yes. well, I thoroughly enjoy talking about The Exorcist. Is there anything else that you want to bring up? Just that my balls are on fire. It's so warm. My here. feet are so hot. <laughs> but yes, um, sorry about that. A bit oversharing a little bit. <laughs> That's what we like to do on this podcast. We like to but share. Yeah. But yes, uh, I don't know. What would you rate this film out of 10? 10. Grant? I'd give it a solid 9.5. Mate, it is. It's. Regardless of what you can pick faults in this film, it is, mm. it's an immaculate horror film, especially for the time that it's made. You know, yes, I, yeah. I think a lot of people view The Exorcist thinking that it was made later than it was because of when mm-hmm. it got banned in the UK, 1973. Yep. And they showed what they showed on film. It, it mm. was ferocious. It's brutality. And it has stood the test of time. It's mm-hmm. still difficult to watch. Absolutely. My mother-in-law won't even talk about it because she mm. went and see it at the theatre, at the mm. theatre, and she had to leave. My mum was physically sick over it um, mm. because it's it, in the 70s, it's not, mm-hmm. it's that, that, you know, that kind of kind of talk is not talked about. Mm-hmm. And that kind of visual is not seen. And this, these were shown these at like primetime times. This wasn't like, you know, Times where like you CD times of going to see movies like late at night. This was like on normal normal theaters, and mm-hmm. the normal people, the normies saw it and they didn't like it. 
to me, uh, like I say, it's probably more a personal preference. I'll, I'll probably skip, like I said, it's, it's not a bad for, movie, for, for, like by by far. It is a very well shot. I'd probably say a seven out of 10 just because of personal preference. Um, and the things that irritate is, like I say, it still irritates us today with other movies. Like I get the same, <laughs> not choppiness, well, choppiness vibe, but like I say, I'll, I, I know I'll get a lot of hate for this, but the way I feel about Pulp Fiction is probably the same way as, like I say, I feel about this just because it it doesn't quite flow. Like, and I'm not saying every story has to be simple or, like I say, makes sense in certain degrees, but I, I would say that with The Exorcist, though, the, the strong parts when it does things well, there's, it can't be matched. It's, it, there's not many horror films can touch on when the elements it yeah. does get right. But to me, as a as a film, if I was a filmmaker, I would have been annoyed with the edits that was made and how, like I said, but again, time constraints and what they are putting in story-wise, um, we can try and piece that together now. And that's always a fun part and fun element to have that discussion mm-hmm. rather than just be told everything or be told A, B and C, this is how it works. Right? As we've mentioned now, where does the start reference and things things you can pick up and move move around and try and put pieces together? It's almost like you're putting the story together in your head. Now that's not a bad thing for a movie to do. Oh. It's bringing that conversation. So again, I enjoy it for the conversation, but ask us to sit down and watch it. Again. I'll probably not watch it again for a few no. years. <laughs> I just want. I'm just. I'm really excited about when I sit down and read the book because I generally thought up until right now that the Mm -hmm. book was just like direct from the film because just because of how well like how William Friedman went on about you know the book references and blah blah blah, and I just assumed that what I was going to be reading is almost very similar to what I'd just seen on on film I had no idea that it would be more in-depth like you've described it Grant so I'm really looking forward to reading it I only picked it up a few weeks ago have to have it in my collection. <laughs> I, I would find it quite bizarre now to, because like I say, I, I read it first because yeah. the film was banned and you couldn't get a copy of it and what have you. And like the film gets so many things right for me in relation to the imagery. And mm. that that's a weird statement considering some of the, uh, the savage imagery, but obviously when you read, you, Mm-hmm. imagining that mm-hmm. the way that it was depicted was quite close to what I got in my head yeah. but there's there's more but that's no. a good good point because I'm talking good. American Psycho more but there's yeah. there's more that I was actually going to hit on that point you've just said there because I some imagery you get from the book and it like when you watch the film it's literally the, the same I think that was probably the like I said the criticism of American Psycho that it was too torn down from the book like in certain elements, but if, as you said, if the book's like hitting, like say them points and them things that you wanted to see, so I, I probably would if I've read the book, might enjoy the f- movie more. That would get a bit more understanding. But to me, well, if, if like left- American Psycho, it almost makes it easier to watch, to read the book after you've watched the film because the mm. book is so hard going. Yeah, um, just it's, like it's I- such a drawl through for the first half. Uh, just FYI. <laughs> I've not seen American Cycle. It used to be it used to be one of Michaela's favorite films. I've seen bits and pieces of it. Like I thought that the scene with the cards was hilarious, mm-hmm. where they're all sitting there flashing off their cards and they're all the fucking same. Um, it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be like one of Michaela's favorite films, but for some reason she don't like it no more. <laughs> I don't know why. 
sure I had an argument with Michaela on the Facebook group over that, but we'll we'll save that for another day. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> yeah. So that is basically us talking about the exit. So Sam finally got away. So she's looking very happy and smug about herself. And now. she also gets her own way. Come this Sunday too. Woo woo. Birthday weekend. Yeah, that's stop. A, I'll have to watch their movies again. I haven't watched them in a while. Like I said, two or oh. three and bad, that's all I'm gonna see. What? <laughs> what? I think me and Grant's in the same opinion for this as well. So. What? Am I on this Sunday? Yes, you are. For yeah, their I'll, greater I'm good. Whether we finalise that one. No, <laughs> no for their for their greater good. Yes. Oh, he's both missed a fucking treat day. Man, God. You got red on you? <laughs> I do, actually, I did earlier on. <laughs> Pissing the blood. <laughs> well, like say, we're going to have a lot of opinions about these movies, so it's going to be Can't wait. Can't wait. If you didn't know, guys, we are doing the Cornetto trilogy because, mm. again, I got my own way. It is tomorrow's my birthday, but I am making that drag on till Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, th- thank you guys, like Dave, for everyone who's tuned in and, and like enjoyed it as well. That this was a little bit of a midweek special. Yeah, um, thank you, Kelly, for all them comments earlier. It was really lovely. Like it was just nice to see the interaction with Kelly. It was lovely. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. But, Thanks, uh, Kelly. But yes, and goodwill. We are hoping to do, like I say, a few of these midweek specials when we can. I think Charlotte's got the next uh, vote that's going to go on the group. Um, I think we said that. So it'll be loads of nineties shit. Oh. <laughs> It'll be, fucking, it'll be a Disney classic, won't it? <laughs> yeah, I bet you t- nine times out of ten things that I hate, ten things I hate about you will be on that list. So that's that's my Dibs if that wins. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. It's one of my favourite films of all time. Keith Ledger is one of the few guys in the world I would have fucked. <laughs> Okay, Charlotte, that has to go on your list now. Unless we we and we'll do that another time if it doesn't grant. Just to find out more on that. Yes, if it so, does go on Charlotte, it'll go on mine. <laughs> <laughs> so same bad time, same bad channel, guys. Stay nerdy, everyone. Bye. Bye.